Welcome to Passion Life Church. Pastor Chris Estrada. Come on, Passion Life. Wow, what a true honor. You may be seated this morning. Man, I'm telling you, you guys excited to be in church this morning? I'm telling you, I I remember being in the world. I remember not knowing Jesus and waking up places. I did not know how I got there. And uh, to be in a place where I know where it was intentional and how God brought me here is truly special. And can I just, let me just start off by saying this. I, I, first off, I'm Hispanic and we can't help but be honest a hundred percent of the time. All right. You're not going to get any, any type of uh, uh, fluff with us. We're just going to cut it raw and dry. Anybody else like that? Just give it to me real. And so I'm going to just tell you right now, um, You people are spoiled up in this church right here, all right? First off, you got incredible worship. Come on, give it up for this incredible worship team. Phenomenal. You got incredible kids ministry. Give it up for all the students over there. I mean, you've got a bread table that you literally can carb load the whole week on. I mean, it's just incredible what God is doing at Passion Life Church. But I think it's a pure reflection of um, incredible leadership from Pastor Phil and Pastor Valerie. Come on, do you love your lead pastors of Passion Life? You may not know this, but Pastor Phil was an incredible voice from my hometown uh, um, in in the 915 in El Paso. And um, I remember when he was leading at that time, probably the largest youth ministry in the city and just becoming a movement and I, I remember having several lunches or pastors uh, meetings he would host and I would come along with my youth pastor and, and we've just began this journey since I was a teenager, um, all the way into today and just living literally within an hour. I was incredibly honored when he said, would you come and speak with a, a minister to the people of Passion Life? Because I felt like it was a little bit of full circle. Uh, but I just once again want to honor Pastor Phil and Pastor Valerie. Come on one more time. Can you thank God for some incredible leaders in the church? Excuse me. Now, I recognize this is technically my first time here. I know that I, 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 during the middle uh, of a global situation we were all in, um, I, I, I ministered via video. But let me tell you my story because I've recognized I got a lot of new friends in the room. All right. I grew up on the border of the United States and Mexico. And, you know, my family was a very interesting family because you went to my area of town, you never vacationed in. It's not like Orange County or California. You go there for one of two reasons. You go there to visit family or to do something illegal. That's the only reason you're in my city at that part of town. So I remember, uh, I, I'm not lying. If you've seen an episode of Narcos, that's like my family movie, all right? That's like Christmas for us. It, it, like I, by the age of 12, I found myself with a drug addiction, a lust problem, and an anger issue, but I love to play basketball. Come on, anybody love to hoop in here? Anyone? Yeah, at one point, yeah. So I would go to this church that had a gym, and they would open up right before the youth service to get all the students from the uh, gym into the service. Well, I would never stay. I would dip and leave and find somewhere else to play. But the youth pastor got involved in my life, and one day he came to me and he said, hey, do you want to go to church camp? I had no idea what this was. Honest to God, I had no idea what this was. He said, hey, do you want to go to church camp? And I said, there are going to be hot girls in this camp. Is there going to be fine women in this camp? I was a six-year-old little pervert. I had no idea what I was saying, okay? And he said, well, we're going to go for Jesus. I said, fine, you can go for Jesus. I'm going to get some phone numbers. I'm going to camp. What I didn't realize is on the first night of that camp, I got saved, I got filled with the Spirit, and I got called into ministry all in one night, Passion Life. I'm telling you, it was absolutely 
historical mile marker. It marked me. I was ruined. And I remember going back, I was, uh, I went to Bible college, uh, um, and, and I would remember Pastor Phil coming and speaking at Bible college. I remember, uh, going into business and found myself in a very successful lane. And then remembering the call of God on my life, uh, I, God moved my wife and I to Asia. We lived in Sri Lanka. How many know where Sri Lanka's at? All two of you. That's great. So Sri Lanka is 40 miles south of India. It was in the middle of a civil war. Mortar shells blowing up down the road from my house. Suicide bombers bombing the hotels we could stay in. It was like real life call of duty. But in the middle of all that chaos, all of that dysfunction, God was still raising up his church. And we were seeing daily salvations, signs, wonders, healings, miracles, breakthrough. It was powerful. And then we came back, took over student ministry. We had a sweeping revival come through that led me to Christ for the nations. And really, the last 14 years of my life, I've dedicated to raising and releasing this next wave of influencers and voices that's gonna come into the church, that's gonna come into education, it's gonna come into the political sphere, it's gonna come into medicine, it's gonna go into the business world because I believe that God is not done with America. He is still shaking the nation. God is up to great things. He's got a great plan and strategy. And this isn't our darkest hour. This is the finest hour for the people of God and for those who need a touch of mercy, love, and hope. Come on. Anybody got faith that God can still move the heart of a king and move the heart of a generation in this room? Anyone? I believe it. I feel your passion, literally. But I can't think of a better place to be than right here with you this Sunday. There's no way I could do this on my own. Uh, my wife and I, we just celebrated 18 years of marriage. Come on, that's a miracle in my, in my family. 18 years. And uh, we have four beautiful kids, four incredible kids. She wants more. I don't. Pray for her, not me. She's under attack, all right? So y'all need to step up, all right? But I, I, I just, I can't think of a better place to be than right here with you. Now, I, I don't do no quiet church. I know you guys are responsive. I know you love the word. Uh, and But I believe, uh, I believe that the word of God deserves a response. No, come on, talk back to me this morning. And listen, I believe that the Word of God should have home field advantage at the church. I like playing on my home court because it meant I had the most crowd support. Well, I believe the Word should have the most crowd support at church. Come on, Passion Life. Are you talking to me this morning? Somebody say yes. Say, come on, somebody. Say, some on, somebody. I don't even know how to spell that. I don't even know how to spell that. I don't know. It's a big word like mayonnaise. All right. Are you ready for the Word? No, church, I said, are you ready for the Word? I believe it. I believe it. Hey, turn on your Bible and go to 2 Kings chapter 6. I know what generation we live in, all right? Turn it on. If you open it, that's fine. If you turn it on, that's fine. My Bible says it's the Word of God that is living and active, not what it shows up on or what it's printed on. In 2 Kings chapter 6, we're going to pick up right in the middle of a situation. And I honestly, uh, uh, I want to paint a perfect backdrop for you to grab everything that I felt like God put in my heart to share this morning. In 2 Kings chapter 6, you'll find that the king of Syria is always creating conflict with the nation of Israel. He will come up with these wicked ideas and strategies, share them with his counselors, his generals, his advisors, and then tell them to execute the plans. When he does this, he would not know this, but this plan would end up in an extra set of ears, and that's the prophet Elisha. The Bible says, time and again, Elisha would hear what this wicked king thought of and then share it. And then Elisha would go and tell the king of Israel and tell him, you're about to be invaded. Send garrisons and reinforcements to fight off the surprise attack. So this happened again. The Bible is very clear. It happened time and again. 
And so this king gets so frustrated because he has not gained any ground and he's spending all this money and trying to come up with a way to conquer Israel. So he calls the same circle advisors, counselors, and generals together. And he says, which of you is the traitor? Which of you is the leak in my administration that's been sharing our plans to the king of Israel? And they're like, oh, 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 oh. it's not us, my lord, the king. They have a prophet who hears everything you say, even in the privacy of your own bedroom. Come on, that's awkward. Let's just be honest. Can we be family this morning? That's awkward, all right? That pillow talk ain't gonna stay on a pillow very long, right? And so they, he's like, that's it. Tell me where this guy's at. They said, Elisha is at Dothan. And Dothan means cutting. Now, this is a totally different uh, sermon, but Dothan means cutting. So here, here you have Elisha, who's now staying at Dothan. So the king sends an entire army, and we're gonna re- begin reading here in verse 14. It says, so one night, the king of Syria sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha, don't be afraid. Come on, that's strong right there. Anybody else feel that? Don't be afraid. I, I love when these words show up in scripture because it means God is going to do the impossible. It means what was unthinkable, what was unplanable, what was even inconceivable is now about to take place. It is so beyond everybody's natural reasoning that he has to preface his strategy and his next great move with don't get shocked, don't be fearful, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, Joshua, for I am going before you and I will give you vineyards you did not plant, live in houses you did not build, and drink from farm fields that you did not grow. Don't be afraid, for born to you in this day in the city of David is a Savior called Christ the Lord who will redeem his people from their sins. Don't be afraid, for I will be with you. I will never, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And in that moment, I'll tell you what to say. Are you following me? Don't be afraid. If I could shout this over nations today, it would literally be, don't be afraid. I love this. But then he continues. He says, don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more with us than against us. Come on, this is a good time to have church right now, right? Verse 17, then Elisha prayed, oh Lord, open his eyes. Everybody say that with me. Open his eyes. I say it one more time and let him see the Lord opened the young man's eyes. And when he looked up, he saw the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. As the Aramean army advanced toward him, Elisha prayed, Oh Lord, please make them blind. So the Lord struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked, man, there is so much in here. It's going to taste good. We're going to have to unpack it a little. But let's pray first, all right? Holy Spirit, I ask for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you for every man and every woman under the sound of my voice, both in person and online, and I speak to this atmosphere over every life. And I say that you are full of faith, and you are full of hope, and you are full of peace, 
and you're full of joy and I come against every limit, every restriction, every barrier, every poverty mentality, every demonic harassment, I say is broken right now in Jesus' name. And I call every man and every woman into their season. I call them into their rhythm. I call them into their anointing. I call them into their identity. I call them into courage right now. And we establish fresh perspective, kingdom perspective in their life. God, no longer will we be moved or intimidated by smoke screens, by what should not be, by what could not be. We will be moved by heaven and heaven alone that you would realign us this morning into your word and into your will, into your presence in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen, amen. Amen. feel like praying this morning. I have a title to the message for you. I want to speak to you from this subject. Stay woke. Now, I have no political, cultural, social uh, affiliation with this, ver- with this language. I literally think there's a natural wokeness and a spiritual wokeness. I believe that when I was writing this message, the best title for it was Stay Woke. There is a, there's a natural wokeness today that has claimed the the attention of so many that you only notice the problem, but you don't have any solutions. But there is a spiritual wokeness where you can see the pain and heal it, where you can see the struggle and release it. Are you following me? There is something that is different about those who are naturally woke and spiritually woke because you will see the issues and have solutions. You'll see the problem and have the answers, and we need spiritually woke people again. I'm not talking about people who know how to post on social media. I'm talking about people who know how to pray, who know how to fast, who know how to worship, who can be living here but anchored up there and see over the balcony of heaven and know God's master plan is still moving, know that he's still good, know that he's still powerful, know that he hasn't forgotten you. Where are the woke people? people at at passion life in person online we need woke people in the place of prophetic intercession we need woke people in education we need spiritually woke people in politics and in medicine we need woke where are the woke at this is what we need today it's not enough to post about it my goodness if we prayed as much as we posted we'd actually change some things are you following me this morning we need to stay Woke, and if we're going to stay woke, I want to give you three things. Three things. I, re- I remember I was coming out of the gym, and don't be that impressed. It was a dodgeball tournament, and it, like you know, I, I I I like to win, no matter what it is. I I I couldn't. It doesn't matter what I play. I like to win. I don't play to play. I play to win. Anybody else? Like I don't play to take L's. I play to win W's. All right. And so I, it doesn't matter what it is. It could be a matching game with my six-year-old or a video game with my 15-year-old. I plan on destroying you, all right? I make no excuses about it. There's no crying about it in the Estrada house. You don't get to whine about it and go, oh, you didn't let me win, and you didn't get me this, and you didn't help me, and you didn't, no, no, you don't go cry to me, and don't go cry to your mom because she built the same way. I'm telling you right now, we, like for us, like if you're going to get a W, it means you put in the blood, sweat, and tears to get the W. Because in the real world, when you get a job, your boss doesn't give you a participation trophy at the end of a quarter and go, good job, at least you tried. No, you either get the bonus or you don't. You get the salary or you don't. You get the results or you don't. You get the win or you don't. So I, I like to win. And so... I remember we had gotten eliminated early out of this dodgeball tournament, and I was some kind of way about it. And I remember I was walking out of the gym, and I got this text message on my phone. 
Three different text messages. First one was like, yo, what's up? Next text message. This, is this Darnisha? Next text message. This Antoine from Saturday night. Now, honest to God, I meant to text, Pastor Phil, I meant to text back. This is not Darnisha. But the autocorrect on my phone said this is Darnisha. To which Antoine hit back, sup, girl? So I didn't have anything else to do. So I just texted back, nothing, he, 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 emoji, 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 and it was all. He said, what you doing right now? I said, I just got out the gym, I'm kind of tired. He said, well, you should go to bed. I'm thinking, look at Antoine, 15 seconds in my life, speaking godly direction into my life. So I said, yeah, I probably should. So I remember, I go home, I shower, get in bed. And anyone that knows me, I go to bed early. I like to go to bed around 9, wake up 4.35. I've always been this way. And, and so I remember I'm lying in bed. My wife's reading her Bible next to me because she's the real Christian. I'm just a preacher. Um, and I remember I'm sitting there, and everyone knows this. It, on our team, uh, on, in our family, if you text me after 9, you're not getting a text back till the next day. And so I remember I'm lying in bed, and I can hear my phone, the text message vibrate, go up and go, just like that. And I'm thinking, that, that could only be one person. Sure enough, it was Antoine. And he said, sweet dreams, baby girl. <laughs> so I picked up my phone and I started laughing. Text me. I was like, ha, 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 he don't even know. He don't even know. I'm laughing out loud. And my wife says, who's that? I said, that's Antoine. She said, who's Antoine? What does he want? I said, um, he want to talk to Darnisha. <laughs> and she said, she said, who's Darnisha? I said, well, life's funny. I said, I'm Darnisha. She said, hold on. You're a married man pretending to be a woman talking to another man. I said, baby, when you say it like that, it sounds bad. This went on for two weeks. Yes, it did. You can go look at the whole conversation. Hashtag days of Darnisha. Darnisha with an E because she's a deep soul, independent woman. Anyways, Darnisha. And so I, I had people following all over the world asking, keep it going. Please keep it going. Keep it going. And I would have, Pastor Life, I really would have. But then Antoine hit back one day. He said, hey, I want to see you again. <laughs> Come on, you and I both know. As soon as Antoine sees Darnisha, he going to notice some things have changed, maybe upgraded. I don't know, but some things have definitely are different now. He said, hey, I want to see you again. I, I knew that as soon as Antoine saw me, he would recognize I am not who I said I was. You know, I feel like that's exactly what's happening in the kingdom of darkness. What God is doing to the enemy is he is exposing and uncovering. And we are realizing you're not the one that's on the throne. You're not the one that's in charge. You're not the one that's calling the shots. You're not the one that's been empowered. You're de-armed, dethroned, defeated. You've been defamed. You've been defanged. And there is no way that you're going to cause me to go back to the sleep of my addictions or back to the sleep of and slumber of my pain. I'm not going to let my own issues tuck me back in bed at night. I'm not going to let them put me back. I'm not going to let me pull me out. 
I intend to stay woke in the goodness of God, in the word of God, in the presence of God, in authority. Come on, where are the woke at today? We need woke people. We need pioneers and risk takers. We need people who don't have all the answers but know how to follow the cloud, know how to follow the pillar, know how to follow the will of Almighty God. We need woke people again. I am so passionate about this because I think what's happened is the current models of how we take cities and nations, although effective in one day, are obsolete and outdated today. That is not an indictment against the church. It's an invitation to dream for more. It's God reaching his hand, pulling you into the place of fresh perspective and saying, how else can we do this? Give me something to work with. Would you pray a different prayer and dream a different dream? Would you stay woke again? Are you following me? Stay woke. And if, there's, there, if you're going to stay woke, let me give you three things you say with your life. Number one, you get to say, I'm ahead. I'm ahead. I'm not behind. I'm not second place. I'm not outside of the knowing. I'm ahead. You know, there was a difference between what separated Moses and the rest of the Israelites, the Bible says that the Israelites knew God's acts, but Moses knew his ways. Moses could see so far ahead that he knew exactly what was taking place even before it took place. And he didn't just know something was taking place. He knew why it took place. He knew where it would take place. And you know who it would be for? We are ahead because the veil's been ripped. Come on, we have a resurrected Savior. The Spirit of God is hovering over the earth and on your life and on your marriage and on your babies. You're ahead. You know, I've met too many people who have felt like they're behind. Too many people who feel like they they have to catch up to God or or somehow the, the enemy knows more about their life than they do. And You know, can I just be honest with you? I recognize my first time here, but I don't really talk about the devil much, not because I want to ignore him. The Bible's very clear. Don't be ignorant of the devil's schemes. This is really uncharacteristic, uncommon to me, but I am for sure. I have met too many great believers who always think they're trying to, they're starting with God at a deficit. They have to regain. They have to somehow reemphasize. They, they need another whatever. That is not the truth. Scripture teaches us that he will tell us what we need and, and, or be there, he even knows what we need before we even know we need it. We're ahead. Are you following me? You know, I, the Bible is very clear. It says time and again, this would happen. Elisha would hear these wicked plans time and again, time and again, time and again, without ending, without ceasing, no end of operation in this. He would always be ahead. I want to declare over your marriage, you're ahead. I want to declare over your businesses, you're ahead. I want to declare over your babies that they're ahead, that you will never be the table, tail, you will never be under the table, you will never be caught short, your supply will never be dry, your arm will never not be long enough. God will always keep you ahead. What would it be like if we had praying people who knew God was speaking and God said, if you'll know, he'll say on this date, at this time, with these names of people, they are planning a terrorist attack. 
and I need you to go get in touch with the right authorities and give them this date and this time and this list of people. And they get there and they get there on that date at that time with that list of people. Friend, you know what would happen? We could stop school shootings. We could stop mass terror. We could shut down all the demonic operation that has tried to explode itself across all the nations of the world. We would be ahead. Are you following me? The first thing you have to say when you're woke, when you say I'm staying woke is I'm ahead. The second thing is I'm an ambush. I'm an ambush. Now, I remember one time I was sitting in my office. I remember my assistants outside the door and um, uh, my door was closed. I, was, I think I was in mid-email and a woman storms our office. We have an unlisted address. There's no way you could know where I'm at unless you worked uh, uh, on our staff. And so this woman like storms the office and goes, where's Pastor Chris? Where's Pastor Chris? I need to talk to Pastor Chris. Where's Pastor Chris? And my assistant, she doesn't miss me because my assistant's El Salvadorian, all right? And she comes with all, all the sauce, all right? All the attitude, all the spicy, or she comes with all of that, all right? And so she brought this woman unannounced comes in and goes, where's Pastor Chris? I need to talk to Pastor Chris. Where's Pastor Chris for? And my sister's like, hey, what you come in here acting all crazy? What you want to talk to Pastor Chris for? And she, she says, I remember hearing this. And I get up from my desk. I walk to the door and I do what any man of God does in this situation. I lock the door. Because I'm not going to get a case today. I'm going to tell you that right now, right? So I remember I locked the door and I'll never forget because I'm nosy, I put my ear to the door to see what else is going on out there. And so I remember, she says, hey, what you want to talk to Pastor Chris for? And she said, a voice came into my car and told me to come to this address and that Pastor Chris had a message for me. I remember I'm leaning on the other side of the door and I remember looking up to heaven and I literally was like, really? Like, I have a message. I, I'm like, because when I prayed this morning, you brought nothing up about crazy women dive bombing this office talking about I have a message for them. What, what I said, and then I said this. I said, Lord, I'm not ready. And I'll never forget the Lord spoke back. He said, that's okay, son, because I'm ready. And me, when I'm ready, that's when you're ready. Are you following me, Passion Life Church, this morning? You know, I, I, I remember she started getting real hysterical. She said, please let me talk to Pastor Chris. Where's Pastor Chris? Where's Pastor Chris? I need to talk to Pastor Chris. I remember I opened the door. I said, ma'am, ma'am, I'm here. I'm here. Please come on in. Come on in. And I told my assistant, you come too. In case anything pops off, you know, one or day one, you know. And so I remember we get in there and she starts telling us the story. The whole time in my mind, I'm thinking, I'm not ready for this. I'm not ready. And then I started remembering while she's sharing her story, I started thinking, you know, I don't think anyone in scripture was ever ready for what God was doing in their life. I mean, this is not a book full of people that had a plan. Have you ever noticed that? Like God's, most of the time you think God is making this up as he goes. Like, hey, Noah, go build a boat where there's no water. David, go kill a giant with no armor. Right? Hey, uh, uh, hey, hey, Moses, just speak to the rock and water gonna come out the rock. Are you following me? I think what's happened to us is we have become too addicted to being ready. We want all the money first. We want all the timing right. We want all the relationships. We want to know step four, five, and six before step one, two, and three. We want to feel ready. I got to feel ready. I got to know that I'm ready. What you really want is an assurance that you're not going to fail. But the truth is, what you need to have is a confidence that he won't fail you. Maybe it's not that he didn't want, it's not that he won't keep you ready. He's always ready. 
I mean, my Bible said, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered the heart of men, the things that God has planned for those that love him. In other words, you're never gonna be ready. This is good prophetic ministry this morning. Just receive that. You're not gonna be ready. Come on, one, two, three, receive it. You will never be ready. I love it when people are like, no, we're ready. <laughs> no, I'm ready. Really? Get married. <laughs> Got them all right there. Let's add to the level here. Uh, have kids. Are you following me? It's not that God doesn't want you ready. It's that God wants you to trust in him that he will keep you ahead and he will make you an ambush because when you feel like yourself is surprised by what God does, you'll give all the credit and all the honor and all the glory to God and not your degrees and not your experience and not your backgrounds and not your money and not your, not your hall of fame and not anything else. You could only testify and say, only God could have interrupted. Only God could have given me that thought. Only God could have given me that business idea. Only God could have healed my marriage or rescued one of my babies. Are you following me? We have to stay woke. It's not that you're not ready. It's that he promised he would never leave you. He would never forsake you. And he will oversee that promise to the very end. So this lady comes in. She starts sharing her story. She says, I am on my fourth divorce. I have children with each one of these men. And then she says this. This is the same thing that happened to my mother, my grandmother, my great-grandmother, and even her great, and her, and her mother. And I said, ma'am, I interrupted her, I said, ma'am, I said, I, I, I really believe what God sent you here today for was so that you would receive Jesus because you need to be forgiven of your past and your sin and your, uh, your what well, the Bible calls shortcomings. You need to be forgiven, but you will never be free from this pattern if you don't receive forgiveness, because then I'm going to ask you to forgive these men. And she started manifesting a demon right there in my, I'm not, I'm not talking, not someone who's agitated or irritated or put off by what I said. I'm talking about full on, ha, 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 I will never, I'm not gonna, ha, and she's like, her tongue is wagging at her, ha, ha, demon juice is going everywhere in my office. And if you know anything about me, I'm a germaphobe. All right, I don't, I don't drink or eat after nobody, not even my wife. I kiss my wife in tongues, but I will not drink after this woman. I will not drink, uh, not even my kid, my own kids. I'm not drinking after nasty little gremlins. I'm not doing that. I'm not. This is, and by the way, this is not a spirit. This is a standard. I expect you to know the difference. Anyways, so I, I just, been, this whole pandemic, okay, all I, hey, been living that life since day one. Y'all just kind of got into my world now. I'm, I'm like, I've been, I'm like, what y'all been doing the last two and a half years? I'm like, been doing that for several years, right? So this, ah, ah, I mean, she is like full-blown manifestation. And I'm going to teach you something about Mexicans, Latin, Hispanics, that we'll pray in English. But then when it converts to Spanish, you better get out the way. I'm telling you right now, because when they go from English to Spanish, even Jesus himself is like, back up, back up. Gabriel, that's how you got ran over last time. You better back up, Right? I'm telling you, my assistant is sitting on the other side, and this lady's like, ha, 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 and I'm just sitting there taking authority, and my assistant's like, yes, God, yeah, in the nombre de Jesus, the fuego, fuego de Dios, levante, I mean, she starts going, this demon didn't have a chance, power of God hits this woman, she falls off the couch, on the floor, has a visitation from Jesus, gets saved, and is still serving in this church to this day, come on, can we give God glory for that? Why would that happen? Because somebody knew, I'm ahead and I'm in ambush. Storms don't come on my life. I walk into storms. 
Problems don't come against me. I come against the problems that are in front of me. We have to get this warrior way of thinking aligned correctly. That I'm telling you, things don't happen to you. They happen through you. Are, are you hearing me? I, I, I have met too many people who live under attack. I mean, I've had people in our own church tell us, Pastor Chris, the devil's attacking me. And I'm like, how? They're like, I got a flat tire, flat tire on the way to church today. I'm like, no. And then, and then they're like, well, it's probably because I didn't tithe this week. I'm like, no. Nah. You, you want to know why I got flat tire? And they think I'm going to give them a prophetic word. You want to know what flat tire? Because all the air left. It's just science. You can Google that. You, you know what I'm saying? We come up, we over-spiritualize what things are very simple. I am never under attack. I'm the ambush. I'm not the minority. I'm the majority. I'm not the threatened. I'm the threat. I'm what hell loses sleep about and what heaven gets excited about. And I refuse to change the subject until Jesus comes back and I see nations being laid at his feet. It's time we got the message straight. I'm the ambush now. Are you following me? It's time we stayed. Well, isn't this interesting? Is talking about I'm an ambush. The Bible says Elisha prayed over this young man. Open his eyes. They're, in, they're surrounded by an entire enemy army, and Elisha is unmoved by it. In fact, you'll find Elisha literally is probably the least intimidated guy on the planet. I mean, this guy would call out kings after kings. He would speak to, I mean, kids learned real easy. You do not make fun of this guy because he called bears out of the woods, and you know what happened there. I mean, you, Elisha, could not be moved. He is surrounded by a whole army coming to seize him, and he's not moved. The only one that's in, in panic is his servant. Now, this is interesting to me, because I, I think it's important for you to notice what the Bible says. It is, here's, hear me, Passion Life. It is also important for you to notice what the Bible does not say. Did you notice what Elisha never prayed for? When he see, at the first time he sees this army, he never prays, Lord, are you with us? God, are you going to protect us? Are you going to deliver us? Be, because Elisha's not American. <laughs> Sorry. He, he doesn't worry about any of this. The biggest concern for Elisha is not this army. It's his blind, spiritually blind servant. And the only thing he prays is, Lord, open his eyes. As soon as as he sees what the prophet sees, his demeanor, his outlook, his perspective, his confidence completely rearranges itself into agreement and alignment with God. Because now he can see what the prophet is saying. There are more with us than against us. Do you realize that army is still around? Those angels are still around. God is still roaming the earth enforcing the victory of Jesus. That army is not unemployed. It is deeply active in the affairs of our lives. Are you following me? I'm an ambush. Could it be, I'd just like to submit this to you. The, the only thing Elisha prays for is his blind spiritual servant. Let me put some meat on this bone for just a second, all right? Here he has a blind servant. This Could this be a picture of what Jesus is doing for us as he is seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession, asking for sight to be restored. Because 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, remember what it says? It says the God of this age has blinded 
the minds of the people. But Jesus's messianic job description is that he would come not just to release the captives, declare the year of the Jubilee, but restore sight to the, are you seeing this? I mean, you got to read your Bible with some humor sometimes. Just to reinforce this here, you got to read it as if God's speaking. Do you remember in John chapter nine, Jesus comes to a blind man, a blind man. All right, read your Bible with some funny, all right? Like, he comes to a blind man and asks him, hey, you want to see? <laughs> I'm like, Jesus, he blind. <laughs> hey, hey, you want to see? This guy's like, yes, Lord. That's, at least that's what it says in the King Jimmy. Yes, Lord. I'm sure it said like that. I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure it was like, um, yeah. <laughs> hey, you want to see? Yes, Lord. Jesus is like, okay. Bows his head, spits in the dirt, and makes mud. Takes the mud and puts it in the guy's eyes. I'm like, Jesus, that's messed up. You're a savage, sir. I mean, he's rubbing mud in a blind guy's eyes. All right? And so they're sitting there and he rubs it in. And then he tells this guy, what do you see? <laughs> I'm like, this is cold, right? So this guy says, I see men walking around like trees. Now remember that. Jesus is like, okay. Jesus spits in the dirt, makes more mud. I mean, the CDC would be freaking out right now, okay? Takes more mud, puts it in the guy's eyes, and then rubs it in there and says, now, what do you see? And this man says, I can see clearly now. Now, follow me. The first time he touches his eyes, he says, I can see men walking around trees. The second time is, I see clearly. I would like to submit to you that Jesus is healing his spiritual sight before he's healing his natural sight. Because you will constantly see in scripture, that people are constantly referred to as trees. I'm helping you out. This is, like I said, we're putting some meat on the bone. You're like, back this up with scripture. I would love to. Remember Psalms chapter two? It says, blessed is the man who does not walk on the way of the scornful, nor live in the path of the sinner, nor does the evil deeds of those that are wicked. But his, his delight is in the law of God, and on the law he will meditate on it day and night, for he will be like a who's planted by the river, whose leaves do not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Jesus said, you know a tree because a good tree bears good fruit and a bad tree bears bad fruit. He's not talking about having a green thumb. He is talking about knowing the people you walk with. Are you seeing this? Could it be that you as Elisha, as the servant, his eyes are open. This is a picture of what your life is today. God is opening your eyes. Can I, can I just help you out a little bit? I just feel this right now. God is not testing you with trouble. He is trusting you with trouble. I'm just going to seed that again. God is not testing you with trouble. He is trusting you with trouble. Because he knows you will have the maturity, the authority, the scriptural backing to be able to deal with giants, lions, bears, and walls. So if trouble ever came your way, you wouldn't blame God. You wouldn't call it a bad day. You wouldn't complain. You would just step into your priesthood. You would just step into your right authority. You would step into your anointing. You'd step into motherhood. You'd step into fatherhood. You'd step into your calling. And you would deal with the trouble that's in front of you. We are too easily intimidated sometimes. We are too easily muttered. We are too easily muzzled. We are too easily giving up this ground so that we could make it easy and casual and comfortable. What if I told you eyes that look are common, but eyes that see, totally rare. Totally rare. It's, I, I want you to see past the headlines, 
past the social media feeds, past the opinion polls, and I need you to have a biblical worldview over everything you hear and see. It's almost like a filter, like on social media, that you would see things through the lens of God's eyes. You would, look, you would never look on a person who doesn't believe in God the same. You would never look at crutches the same. You would never look at wheelchairs the same. You would never look at deficits. You would never look at oncoming storms. You would never look at problems the same. You would be an ambush. I, I, I'm here to tell you this is interesting because then Elisha prays at the army, but he doesn't even pray for the army. They start advancing as soon as he's not intimidated. And what does Elisha do? He says, Lord, strike them with blindness. What was coming on my servant, put it on them. That's exactly what Jesus is doing. He is blinding the eyes of the enemies of God. This is why they were in under a cloud. They were under a pillar of fire because they were hidden in the cloud of God, the presence of God, the word of God, and the enemy could not find them. He is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are saved. Friend, when you are hidden in God, you are a walking ambush. You are a revival with legs and the enemy has no strategy against you. I don't care what your background is. I don't care what your addictions are. I don't care what your problem. God is a good God. He will hide you in the rock. He will hide you in the storm. He will hide you in his will. He'll hide you in his power. But friend, make no mistake, you are the ambush. It's so interesting because the last thing when you stay woke, number one, you get to say, I'm ahead. Number two, I'm an ambush. But number three, I'm an answer. I'm an answer. You know, I, I've, I've spoken to millions of young people around the world. Been in every continent. Now, I, I, I've seen God do some incredible things. But when people start, start talking about this generation like they're the problem, I'm like, they're missing it. They are the answer. Let me, let me help you out. If they were the problem, you think God would keep them here? The earth, the Lord, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Nobody's here sucking free air. Everybody's here with a purpose. Now you may be distracted, but you will find it today. You may be discouraged, but you will find courage for your purpose today. Are you following me? When people talk about young people like, oh, they're the problem. No, they're not. They're the answer. People talk about the church today like it's the problem. They're outdated, old school. They listen to a book that's, you know, it's it's so not with this culture. No, we've been the answer. Because there was a day when they said that and they said, well, we want better schools and the church gave you better schools. And we want better medicine and the church gave you hospitals. And we want better government and the best government to ever thrive on the planet in the history of the world is still here in America and it was built with the Bible right next to it. Friend, we've been the answer for a long time. I don't care what headlines say. I don't care what your viewpoints are politically. I don't care where you're at on a culture stance. I can tell you this. The word of God has outlasted every regime, every dictator, every culture, every world power, every issue, every pandemic, every war, every lack, everything. And it's still here redeeming the souls of men and women across the earth. We are the answer. You have to be so positioned, almost like your spine has to be stiffened. I'm here to tell you, Pastor, you don't have a wishbone. You have a backbone now. You're not here just finding your way through life. No, you've got purpose. You've got the Spirit of God running through your spiritual veins, which is probably why I feel this prophetically. Some of you have felt unsettled about where you're at or currently what your posture is, is because God has caused a holy harassment because he's calling you into more and greater. 
It's time that you become an answer. More of an answer than you've ever been in your life. I don't care what season you are. I don't care if you're retired or you're just about to graduate high school. I care that you live on the purpose of God. That's what I care about. I'm an answer. You know, I, I remember when we found ourselves in the office of the president of Honduras. You know, a lot of what you may or may not know about us at Missions Me is our vision is to unite the global church for the salvation and transformation of nations. I think the greatest message we could preach right now, if I could speak to pastors and churches, which I do, is about unity. Because I watched over the last two and a half, three years where the enemy came after our togetherness and we had to quote unquote quarantine. You know, isolation is a form of torture. You know, when, and I'm not, this is not a political stance, just follow me spiritually. The first thing God said was bad was that man should not be alone. Are you following me? Because he knows what happens when you're lonely. Those thoughts, those feelings, those emotions, those skewed viewpoints and vantage points. Are you following me? And then when we found Zoom and we found some things online, guess what happened? It wasn't just our togetherness. It was actually our agreement that came under uh, attack. And we've watched as scandal started to comb through America like never before in the church, in education, in politics, in Hollywood. No place was left untouched. And it tore us apart. The injustices that were happening in ethnicities, the injustices that were happening in communities were unthinkable. And it was amazing how we were together and then when we couldn't be together, he started severing our agreement. You know what he's come after today is our commitment. This, take the journey with me, if you will. Moving all your opinions aside, follow me for this, all right? He came after our togetherness, then he came after our agreement, and now he's coming after marriages. He's coming after businesses. He's coming after the will of God. I've met more people make more decisions scared than with a word. And they are worried simply because they don't know how to be committed. Churches have been split. Rumors have been said that have no ground, nothing. And, and for some reason, we have lost this incredible kingdom attribute called integrity that reinforces commitment. But let it be said at Passion Life, whether you're here or online, that you were an ambush. You were ahead, you were an ambush, and you were an answer, and people could look at your marriage and they could see, man, they're together. Man, they're committed. They could see the agreement in your life and the way you treat. They could see you were woke. Are you following me? So I, I remember, I remember we were in, the, I remember hearing we were in the office of the president of Honduras. And we said, Mr. President, country's in pain. Your suicide rate is here. Your homicide rate is here. Your poverty lines are extending, not decreasing. We said, Mr. President, well, what if in some small part that God is speaking to your nation through the prophet Isaiah and Isaiah 66 when he says, can a nation be saved in a day? Can a people be reborn in a moment? We said, Mr. President, we've come to petition you for five things. Number one, would you stand with us two years from now in the largest stadium, the largest city of your nation declaring Honduras as a new nation? Number two, would you open up all the borders so we can ship in millions of dollars of humanitarian aid? Number three, would you give us access to every high school in your nation so we can bring an army of 2,000 missionaries to come and preach Jesus with an altar call and do a follow-up campaign for anyone that makes an eternal decision. Number four, would you give us the 18 largest stadiums in the 18 largest cities of your nation? And number five, would you underwrite all the audio, visual, and lighting for those stadiums? You know, just some small asks, 
to journey a world leader with. But President Lobososa was so moved, he took a resolution out of his desk and signed it into motion. And it birthed what we call One Nation One Day. And we watched as over 2,000 missionaries came into that city. But how they got there is pretty unique. Is we, we went to every major airline and said, we need to buy about 2,000 plane tickets. Nobody would believe us. Not any major airline around the world would ever sell us 2,000 tickets. They're like, there's no way you could afford that. We said, no, we've got a team. There's no way you've got a big, a big team like that. No, we have a team that's this size. They even said, they don't even do that for the Olympics. We said, no, we're doing that. Come on, the, nobody would believe us. So we had to charter our own 747. Like this is new problems that we're causing for the world now. This is just the way I like it. And so the minister of tourism comes to us and says, I'm sorry, but you can't come. We said, what do you mean you can't come? He said, I'm sorry, but you cannot come because you chartered the wrong type of plane and the largest plane to land in Honduras is a 737 and you chartered a 747 and the time has run out. There's no way you'll be able to lease a plane that will get you here. And we're like, no, 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 no. We've chartered this plane. We've put significant dollars down. We need to get on this airport. What do we need to do? He said, there's no way. We said, what do we need to do to land this plane? And they said, well, you're gonna have to tear up all the asphalt. You're gonna have to replace all the uh, lighting. You're gonna have to upgrade all the tech and the ra uh, radar up in our tower. You're gonna have to add new emergency vehicle services. You're gonna have to add a new terminal, tear down half of the airport and add a new terminal. And you have to do that within nine months. We said, no problem, we'll do it. They said, how are you gonna do this? And we're like, we have a private funder. We didn't do this, but this talk, you know, it's kingdom business talk. We're like, we have a private donor, we have a private funder. Of course, we didn't have nothing. But in six and a half months, we watched as God tore up the asphalt, laid new asphalt with new lighting, upgraded the tech and the radar in their towers, gave new emergency vehicle services and the training for all of their people, tore down half the airport, built a new one with new airport terminals, extended the runway, and the first 747 to ever land in Honduras was filled with ambassadors and missionaries from heaven. Why would that happen? Because we're an answer! We went to Dominican Republic. We did the same thing. We went to Honduras, I'm sorry, Nicaragua, and we did the same thing. We, we had so much favor in Nicaragua under a dictator, if you remember Ortega and his wife, who is a professing witch who loved us. <laughs> I don't know why. Well, I know why. Are you following me? Like they gave us so much access, came in at the last, saved the day on a couple of things, were completely in the hand of God. And one in every seven people in the total population of Nicaragua was reached face to face with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are you talking about raising and releasing armies? Then we went to Peru. We brought 10,000 missionaries to Peru. 10,000 from 43 nations, 150 plus organizations represented to pound ground in the nation of Peru. And in seven days, we watched 1.1 million people give their lives to Jesus that were still found in a church weeks later. Then we came to L.A. This was in the summer of 2020. I remember talking with Pastor Phil. We were coming into Los Angeles, which, of course, we're, that's our own backyard. And God said, ask me for 20,000. We said, okay, July 2020, we're going to host this moment. And, of course, we all remember about March of 2020, everything went to a bucket of suck. And we had to think, do we reschedule? Do we replan? Do we cancel? And God said, no, you're not allowed to give a budgeted version of my heart. You're only allowed to give the full version of my heart. 
And so he gave us very targeted goals. I mean, paying off $47 million worth of medical debt in impoverished cities like Compton, Inglewood, all the medical debt in Inglewood, Compton, Long Beach, all of them Watts, completely eradicated. And the credit was given to the local church because we're, as a missionary, I'm not here to platform myself and ask the church to platform me. I'm here to platform the local church. We united churches. 600 plus churches began the journey. That's the largest faith coalition in LA's history. We started watching as we went in the foster care system and we generated thousands of leads for foster care families or foster care kids from godly families in the church of Los Angeles. We went into every prison. We planted a 30, uh, all 35 state penitentiaries. We now have a church service in all 35. We went into uh, uh, the men. We said America needs its families back. Uh, and the only way we're going to get our families back is if we get our fathers back. And the only way to get our fathers back is we, if we call them an authentic manhood and fatherhood. Are you following me? I mean, I 200,000 men attended online and in person. Then we stood in seven days of targeted outreach, softening the heart of the city. We rotated 86 different surf sites around Los Angeles that were local churches and ministries and organizations that were sending out missionaries of 20,000 people all over Los Angeles, culminating into SoFi Stadium. And we filled SoFi to COVID capacity with, with capturing the content because we said we we're going to turn the, the stadium into a studio. And I'm telling you, when you've got artists that are coming in like Justin Bieber and Chance the Rapper and Jaden Smith and Tori Kelly who know that we are going to turn this into a worship night and we are going to preach Jesus and people who would never darken the doors of a local church were front and center. When I've got Conor McGregor and his family front row, or Clay Thompson and the Warriors who just won the NBA championship, or Kardashians, or 32 out of the 34 mayors in the region, or the D'Amelios, or the top 200 social media accounts across all social media. When I've got them in the room, and many of others, the Jewish elite from the production houses of Warner Brothers, Disney Studios, all of them, hearing the message of Jesus and tears coming down their face, friend, that is a woke strategy that is shaking the earth, touching Los Angeles, and we're not stopping it LA. We're going to be in Houston next year. We're going for Miami, Chicago, and New York. And we believe God would raise us up in this hour so that we would be ahead, an ambush, and an answer. I like Jeremiah 33.3. It says, call to me and I will answer you. Watch this. And then I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know if you will call to him. Would you stand up with me this morning? I feel the presence of God in this room. I feel faith in this room. That's what I feel. I feel the gift of faith in this room. God wants to show you some things. God wants to reveal some things to you, for you. And I truly believe that I was not just invited to come. That's an honor. I truly believe I was sent. I believe that because you've had question marks where God is going to begin to align that with exclamation points. I feel like those, whether you're in person or online, whatever part of the family you are, I feel this this morning. You're ahead. I declare this over everything in your life, your marriages, to how you put food on the table, to what you call career or purpose. You're ahead, you're an ambush, and you're an answer. Call to me, and I will answer you. God is not a God who doesn't answer. 
I, I got news for somebody, whether they're watching live or they're in this room, God is not in love with a future version of you. He's in love with the you right now. He, he's, God knows what he's getting when he gets you. He knows all the pain, all the past, all the problems, but he knows all the potential and all the purpose. He knows everything and he still wants us. He still wants you. He's not changed his mind about you. He's not given up on you. And if you're here with every head bowed and every eye closed and you've never called on Jesus to be your Lord and your Savior, whether you're here or you're online, I wanna ask you to do that right now. If you've never given your life to Jesus, you say, Pastor Chris, you're speaking right to me this morning. I've played too many games. I'm tired of being blind. I want the will of God revealed in my life and I, I wanna surrender my life to him and I wanna begin the journey today as Jesus is my Lord and Savior. This is not about going to church. It's about committing your life to Jesus and then joining this church. If you have never given your life to Jesus, would you raise your hand, whether you're online or in person, and say, Pastor Chris, that's me, that's me, that's me. Three seconds, one, two, three. Awesome. I wanna pray, I wanna pray. Would you repeat after me and say, Jesus, I give you my life. I thank you that you died for me, that you rose again, and you're alive today. I ask you, to wake me up, that I would be ahead, I would be an ambush, and I would be an answer. My life is yours, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. I, I wanna say a couple of things. I felt like the Lord gave me a word for a few people. Uh, this couple right here, sir, ma'am, uh, what is your names? Yes, sir. I'm sorry. Mike and Jan, you know, I, um, if you'll hold out your hand like this, both, yeah, just like that, great. I could see you there and I could see your hands, you would raise them, you would receive from the word, I could see that. But Mike, I see in your hand, uh, 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 like a, a pile of crowns. I, I just see crowns in your hand. And, and Jan, I see tornadoes in yours. And I feel like what God is saying is I'm gonna mark your lives with royalty and power. And you're gonna walk in supernatural power. You're gonna look for people who have never had an encounter with God or you're gonna immediately, they're gonna be highlighted to you as you're walking through your day. And God's gonna release power through both of you. And Jan, I think you're gonna carry this in a special way. I think that you're gonna carry this in such a way that it's gonna inspire others to walk in the same anointing, the same power. I, God's breaking you out of the shell and he's putting you uh, on the front row so that you could actually be in such a position that he would use the authority that's on your life. And I believe that these pile of crowns represent not just crowns for yourselves, but I believe they're crowns that you're gonna be crowning other people. Not just younger, not just older, other people. It's gonna be a, a range of people and you are going to raise Royalty. I feel like this is what God's saying. I've called them to release power and to raise royalty. And you're going to release it through this church. You're going to release it through this house. And, and you've come here because this is the well you're supposed to drink from. This is the leadership you're supposed to be under. And this is the sending place that you're supposed to be. And that recharge is going to come as you're committed. And God's going to place more crowns and more authority inside uh, your hands and give you that to steward. So, Father, right now, I pray for this precious couple. And I release them into this word. Fresh power, fresh anointing to raise authority right now. Fresh anointing to raise royalty right now in Jesus' name. 
in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What's your name? You've got a stripe on your shirt right here. Yes, ma'am. What's your name? I'm sorry? Ngazi. Ngazi, I, I obviously saw you worshiping, but as I was preaching, I could just see there was a, a glow to your heart, a glow to who you are as a woman of God. I, I really feel, I feel like a measuring stick God is placing right next to you. And the measuring is not what we would call metrics. It's not this many feet or this type of size or it's not, it's not any of that. The measuring stick is character. I, I see it, integrity, um, anointing, faith. I just see that's how God is measuring all of our lives, but he's been measuring you. And you've been found like God has been sifting some things out of your life so that you could grow because he didn't want the seeds that have been imparted to you to be choked by weeds or by storms or to be burnt out or somehow snatched away. But God's been saying, if you will grow, you'll get to this place and you'll be able to carry this. And the measuring stick of God is at you now. And I can see you about to punch into a new season. You're about to break into a new layer. And it's all because you've been quiet yet loud. You, you've been still yet mobile. You, you have found yourself completely lingering for the will of God. And I think God is putting the finishing touches of a season on your life. And he's going to bring you into a special place. I would say you have 30 days of visitation ahead of you. He's going to wake you up in the night. He's going to come after your car rides. He's going to visit you at lunch. He's going to take, I mean, literally, you're going to feel like, man, my thoughts aren't my own anymore. God has completely taken hostage my whole body. You've been arrested by the Holy Spirit now. 30 days, God, I release it right now in the name of Jesus of a mighty encounter with you. We release it now. Lord, I pray that you would cause Ngazi to have dreams, visions, encounters, and supernatural understanding of what you're doing in her heart and life in the mighty name of Jesus. What's your name in the back, ma'am? Yes, ma'am. Carissa? Really? That's my, one of my daughter's names is Carissa. So, oh, what a great name. Um, I wrote this down, but I feel like um, I see the word um, dream and create flashing over your head. Dream and create, dream and create, dream and create, dream and create. And what many people might not know in the Hebrew is those are actually, one of those words is rooted. Dream is rooted in the word create. Dream is the Hebrew word yatzer, and create is the Hebrew word yatzar. This is a lot of... A lot of info. I'm water hosing you for just a second, but it's so important. So that's Carissa. She just got hired at the Dream Center. Oh my gosh. In LA. Imagine that. So that's I you just got hired at the Dream Center, which we love those guys. But I feel like God's that that makes I'm glad you told me that. Because that I was wondering like why the dream and create. But the dream word in Hebrew is rooted in the word create. God doesn't just dream with us, he creates with us. If you remember, he told Adam to name all the animals as he created them. And I believe what God is doing is he's giving you the dream create, the dream create, is that you are going to help in this next season at the Dream Center. But God is going to create fresh strategy and understanding on the inside of you. And you will be a force in the earth, Carissa. You will be someone to be measured by. You will be someone to be looked at and looked upon. You will be someone with a great voice. This is not a prophetic word for influence and power and prestige. This is stewardship. God is going to trust you with opportunities, not just to dream, but to create with him. Lord, I pray for fresh strategies to come on her like never before. 
Lord, fresh understanding. Release your power in the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. What's this couple's name right here? My friends right here? What's your name, sir? Tom and Gomini. I see first place ribbons on your shoulders. And the reason why I, I, I believe what I'm seeing is, is out of the, the story of when um, Mary shows back up to the disciples after the tomb has been emptied. And she says, he is risen. And immediately the Bible says that John and Peter take off running. And of course, John outruns Peter because he's younger. And he gets to the tomb first. But a lot of people don't realize he may have gotten there first, but he didn't go in first. Peter went in first. And I feel like perhaps your life has been marked with people, people getting to where you want to be before you. You've not always been first, and that's frustrated you. God, how come I haven't been the first chosen or the first in line or the first available or the first to be called upon, the first, the first? Because God's saying they may get there before you, but they don't have the authority to go in first. They may get there first. You have the authority to go in first. And I feel like as you step into this next season, you come into it first, there's a baton waiting for you, but he needs you to take the first step. I I don't know how else to say this. God is waiting on you. You are not waiting on him. And if you will take that risk and you will measure yourself under the word of God, I promise you, you'll find all the courage you need. You don't need any more training. You need courage. God's placing you in first place in the will of his plan, his master plan. Don't be afraid. Father, I thank you for this incredible couple. We release them into freshness. We release them into a new season. You're not done with them. You've not changed your mind about them. We release them into something great in the mighty name of Jesus. You know, I have a word for the church. I was driving over here. I felt like the Lord gave me something. But God has not forgotten you or Valerie or passion life. He's not forgotten. And I believe that one of the most stressful jobs they say in the last three years has been this job of a senior pastor, especially 2020, 2021, and 2022, because you don't know what chapter of the book of Revelations you're going to be pastoring in. Um, That's a joke. We're not in that book. Okay. Um, I feel like God says, I've not forgotten you. In fact, I feel like God told me, he said, tell them that they have overseeded. And I didn't really understand what that means because normally you just put enough seed in the ground to get uh, a, a harvest and a crop, but God says, no, they've overseeded. And, and I, I quickly searched what overseeded looked like. And farmers in certain areas will actually put more seed in the ground than's necessary simply because there may, be not, there may not be a good harvest the next season. So they knew that they had the money to put and they had the wisdom to put the soil right and then put the seed in the ground and some seed would take but if they didn't have enough seed for the next season they knew they had a backup plan because all they could do is move the soil around and put that seed into the right position and I feel like God has retilled the ground relaunched the soil in such a way that the seed has fallen into the right place you have overseeded in this area and God is saying because you've been faithful to give not just enough but more than enough Many times over, both known and unknown, 
God is repositioning the soil. He's repositioning staff members. He's repositioning church, uh, the church and what it looks like. He is repositioning the soil of your people's hearts. He's repositioning the soil. And that seed is going to take root and you're going to see a quick harvest. It's, it's going to be like that prophetic word in, in the ancient book when it says that the harvest will overtake the reaper in the same season you will plant and harvest. That is what you're coming into. This is important for you as a church, whether you're here online, because this is on your life too. And as he's your spiritual leadership, this comes on your life. What comes on his life comes on your life. And so God has aligned you so specifically for this hour that he is going to move the soil into position and give you the harvest you've been praying for. You have yet to see. You've touched in the place of prayer, but now you're gonna see it in the, in, in the natural. You will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. God has not forgotten you. God, I just thank you. Position this soil correctly. Position the spoil, the soil and the seed in the right place at the right time, Lord, and make this a great opportunity. Make this a great place of encounter. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you, Passion Life. Wow. Wow. How awesome. Listen, I'm going to let you go, but you know what the psalmist says is one day in God's house is better than a thousand days elsewhere. So Pastor Phil, it's, it's a little late. I know, but we need this. You need this for the week. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.